What's up guys, Rishi here. Welcome to the podcast. Today our guest is Yannick Armogam. He is a backend developer at Proximity Mauritius. In this podcast, we are going to cover the following topics. The technologies being used at Proximity and in Mauritius in general. The limitation of MVC5, ASP.NET MVC5. We are also going to look at GDPR and we are going to finally look at some design patterns and the onion architecture. So let's get started. I know you already told me but just for the audience, which technologies do you use at work and why do you use those technologies? Uh, first of all, we are doing mostly uh, .NET development opportunities. So obviously we are using ASP.NET MVC5 entity framework. We also use dependency injection, uh, Vue.js, Vue.js for frontend, some TypeScript also, Bug, SAS. Yeah, that's kind of. Cool. So you you are also using TypeScript. So you are having a lot of object oriented. Uh, Languages you have C sharp and TypeScript, which are both yeah yeah both made by the same person as well. Yes, we which we, we try to apply the solid solid principles when we are when we are working, having like more blocks of code that can be reused, a lot of uh, inversion of control also, and concise object. You know, you. I don't know if you get what I'm. Yes, yes. Uh, actually, I think it's called also the single turn design pattern, where you have yeah. a single value everywhere in your application, yeah, and yeah, then you yeah. just reference back to it, and yeah, then exactly. that's very common with object oriented approach. So, so yeah. that's very good. You are using Vue.js, which is also very good. We recently in another podcast compared it with its rivals. And we found that it's right now it's quite the ideal choice for for developers who want to get into front end development because it it is really simple at the same time it is very up to date with all the recent technologies async web yes the asynchronous web it mm-hmm. is very up to date to that this is my first question now the second question is regard to MVC five. With regard to MVC5, you've been using .NET technologies at proximity. Do you find yeah. any limitation with ASP.NET MVC5? When you compare MVC5 to some language, uh, not language, but some frameworks, uh, like, let's say, React, I'd say that as MVC5 is mostly .NET, it's way more rigid like everything you have to declare and a variable for everything you have to declare like an object and interface it's like sometimes you you're asking for a system for a, a banana and you end up go, uh, getting a gorilla a jung- uh, with the entire jungle with holding <laughs> a banana <laughs> yeah, we had we had we had that joke last time. Yeah, it's exactly it's 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 mostly the the problem with with that net in general. Like you have to care. Sometimes you can achieve 
it can achieve something much more uh, easier and straight and in, in a much more straightforward way if you do it directly via Vue.js, React, over via JavaScript. I agree, especially with your web services, if you are using web services, it's way easier to use something like React or even Vue. But with MVC, you have to go through creating an app, creating your browsers, creating, going through entity framework if you're having a database. But I think it depends also on the project because, you know, some projects require a lot of strong, strong processing power they require a strong server side, you know. For I think for mostly where where web development is going right now, I think that the server side the server side development, I mean backend, typical backend like conventional with uh, .NET, yeah, PHP. You can you can put PHP also on that conventional backend, is going to eventually become less and less popular with uh, with React and UGS becoming getting such a it's it's really impressive what they are doing right now you know everything that you're currently doing in the back you can do like 75% on react 70 75% of the work done on back you can do on Vue.js. yes gs technologies are really taking over as you see even chrome is returning javascript with uh, v8 engine so it's it's really evolving for us we have Visual Studio Code, which is also written in JavaScript. Yeah. Compared to Visual Studio itself, which is written, I think, in C-Shop. You have SQL Management Studio, which is written in C-Shop. So, so these are technologies from traditional end, but as we are talking about technologies, which are from the open source, which are from JavaScript, are already taking over now. And... In terms of performance, I'd say that JavaScript uh, technologies, new, the new technologies, you can see the new era, are much more lightweight. So when you, when you say Visual Studio Code was made with JavaScript, you realize how much how much faster it is than actually. Even though you can say that Visual, the classic Visual Studio has much more functionality, but it's really impressive what they were able to do with this editor. Compared to Visual Studio, which I think would take half a minute to open on my computer, Visual right. Studio Code might be taking just kind of five seconds. Yeah. On my end, I also found some limitation on MVC5. First of all, MVC5, especially the Razor view, is not really easy to integrate with new technologies such as WebGL for me because right. of the lack of tutorials that's it. Have online, there's no tutorials on how to do so. Yeah, ISP um, does not have that like that strong community absolutely. like you have. Yeah, like you have uh, with I think with Node. With Node, have, exactly. Yeah. ISP, not really. You can only find some tutorials on YouTube, but yeah. It's with it's in general with .NET it's like that I think. <laughs> yes, because it was not open source in the beginning. Yeah. That's why they didn't really invest into the community. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's for MVC five. Now we were talking about GDPR, and and you told me how difficult it is being for 
almost every company to adapt to this new standard. What can you tell us more about it? First of all, GDPR was uh, as a result of many privacy breaches which happened in Europe. We decided to pass a law which had which had many of those companies have to restructure restructure the way they store their data. We had to completely uh, refactor the way we were storing data and the website, but I will not say the name. But yeah, it was a huge talk because the feature was already developed, already went through, through quality assurance and went live, but with GDPR, we had to almost redevelop everything. So that was a pain because we had the... If, I think that for GDPR, if the, if the flow of who is accountable for which data and the exact flow of who we store that data, when when can we store that data, has the user given his consent, if all of that is not written on, on paper, clear, this will be an extreme pain to like to develop because there will be a lot of confusion. This is, GDPR is very, 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 because yeah. I think uh, most hosting providers are not yet catered for GDPR. They are not really having the infrastructure to to tell their users that they will be keeping this data for only that much time or something like that. Because I think that would also affect their business as as a whole. Yeah, because when you're developing GDPR, you all now when you're developing for like a feature. Where where the user is is giving away his information is very very sensitive now because you always have to to be in the user's mind to to ask yourself has he given that consent? If not, all of this has already written down, already specified before in the technical requirements. It will be extremely difficult because you you will have to assume has he given his consent and like it's not your job. Your the the flow is supposed to be like written clear, and you just have to follow the flow. You understand? I when think that the privacy update might just might just take into the account of that a new policy whereby users are just signing that policy via a checkbox, something like that. Yeah, the opt-in the opt-in checkbox. You mean you mean the opt-in checkbox? Exactly. Yes. Yeah, but I think no one is really ready for that, and no one was prepared actually. It's not to be honest, really, no one was preparing for that, and you can see that uh, some some companies size that opportunity. Like, I I don't know if you saw the billboard, but there was a company which was offering GDPR services. What they mean that they completely. Refactor the way you're storing data. They do the development for you, okay? They because they they take responsibility for implement for for you being GDPR compliant. Was that in Mauritius? No, it was not. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I saw the billboard. I was I was driving. I was on my way back home, and I saw a huge billboard. Uh, GDPR. I don't remember the name of the company company exactly, but. I do a research on Google and I'll let you know. 
because we are some some company offering services for you to be GDPR compliant. So this is how much troubles some companies are if they have to hire other companies to <laughs> to do that for them. You understand? Yes. Now moving to the next question. So I know at uh, at proximity and even every other major company uses design patterns and uh, and you told me that that you were familiar with the onion architecture can you tell me a bit about what first of all what the onion architecture is mostly we don't usually apply the exact same onion architecture because the architecture really depends on the project but uh, it's like a benchmark for the for me, for me, it's like a benchmark of the architecture to be achieved. Like, I should always strive to achieve an architecture like that. Even if I'm not an architect, but if I'm doing a personal project, I will like my my structure to be like that. So, to begin, the onion architecture is like basically separating the core and the UI. Okay, and having a layer between the core and the the UI, which and there is a transfer of data between these two separate layers. You understand, and this this transfers data is done by via dependency injection. The whole point behind that is that you have a core in the UI, and ultimately, if you want to change the UI, you just you just be a plugin to the core. So thanks to dependency injection, everything everything is loosely coupled. Okay. So tomorrow, if I want, if I'm currently, I did the call for a project named X, okay, for for a brand, a group, okay, a company group, let's say IBL, and I did the code development, and there's all those some branches of IBL which want a website, but automatically, they share the same features. Let's see, all these five websites will share the four features, but just with some different front-end design, US design. You will just add five web projects and you have only one core. With the core being reused across all these five web projects, you can see UI. It's a, it's a whole solution in one computer with one core and five different web projects. But there's some limitation because you can say that to be able to like standardize your code to be able to fit for five different web projects because you can because five different web over over websites will not necessarily have the same feature. So it's it's very tricky to be able to develop that code for to be reused across many websites, but sure. And with that I you can do it the other way you see you can keep your UI and just switch your code. If ever you have to migrate, let's say you're you are MVC free, uh, right? You are MVC free. You want to switch, you want to switch to MVC five, or what you want net, you want. Yeah, let's say MVC free, MVC five. You just develop another code, and like again, it will be like a plugin with some some adjustment adjustment to the CSH HTML, of course, but it's make it. Uh... And more maintainable also in that way you are able yeah. to maintain your infrastructure a lot better. You're able to yeah. test also. You can test your separate layers better. 
Yeah, it's, it's especially for large scale project actually. When you have when you're when you're making a project which will run let's say for ten years, twenty years and technology will change. Maybe you have to change core, maybe you have to change UI, but you cannot afford to, to change core and everything goes goes down. You see? Even when you're you're developing a feature you cannot like every everything cannot be tightly coupled. You have you you must achieve like loosely coupled dependencies across each of your modules. Because if one module goes down, the other module should not go down. I will cover a bit about design patterns also. In my understanding, design patterns are solutions which are used to handle commonly occurring problems in the software design. Yeah. For example, there are blueprints that can be taken and customized to solve uh, some design problems in your code. And my experience again with design patterns is the MVC, of course, model view controller, which is being uh, yeah. used in .NET so often. We are separating the three layers between the view being the HTML and the razor code model being all the classes of your application for the database, the controller being all the logic. Yeah, the, the whole point of MBC. Yeah. Exactly. You have also a factory design pattern, like you define interface for creating object and and the class implement the interface, like simple, basic, basic design pattern. Yes, uh, that's also common, I think, in MVC with regard to classes. Now, uh, also being an Angular developer as well, I've been using singleton pattern a lot there. There's also yeah. the observer pattern, which is a behavioral pattern. I think it's common in most uh, front-end languages right now. It is mostly used for handling real-time data. You're, you're mostly specialized in Angular? Not mostly, but I think I spent oh, at least four months doing programming in Angular compared to my two years on .NET at CTI, at the region, and also at uh, my own company I've been working on for some time now. I saw that Angular 8 is out, actually. I saw that uh, I think it was out yesterday. No, uh, Friday. Friday, yeah. It's, it's going too fast. It's yeah. going too fast. I, I think saw, every six saw, months. Like every six months. Yes, yeah. I saw, a, I saw a comment. There was a guy saying like, will Angular 8 come out next week? <laughs> <laughs> too fast. Yeah. By the time I learned Angular 5, Angular 6 was already out. And it's going too fast. No. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Don't know much about Angular, but I know that you implement the uh, model view controller, but design pattern also there, right? It's it's very structural there. Yeah. If you have Angular, because Angular is a bit like .NET, it is in fact maintained by Microsoft also. With Angular, if you are using Angular, you might just use Angular itself. You don't need to use another library because it has so many things that are already integrated into it 
and again it's yeah, modular yeah. so you can choose what you want and what you don't want but it's really good for making application which are robust uh, i've been using it with ionic to make mobile applications and also pwas progressive uh, web apps so these are apps mm-hmm. which are both mobile and web and it's quite good in that regard especially for the support it has with angular angular has, i mean with ionic ionic has its own marketplace of apps right so i think so i have a last question for you so what are your most used development websites and resources mm-hmm. <laughs> obviously as a backend i will say stack overflow <laughs> i agree, uh, I agree. <laughs> Stack Overflow is like uh, Jesus. <laughs> and resources, you said resources, right? Yes. It depends. At work, I actually use uh, a lot of Visual Studio 2017, Visual Studio Code. I also use Yarn, Gulp. Use uh, use Yarn to use Yarn to actually compile our frontend solution, and we use Gulp for our to to for our build. Like our build is was defined on Gulp. Yarn is good also with .NET. I've been using Yarn as well, and when I was with Node, I was using npm, which was also good for compiling your projects. Gulp is almost always important when you are using SAS. And obviously, the most used resource is Git. I didn't know much about Git before, like at at universities when only when I was at my internship, but I learned about it and like learned to use it. And when I was first, at first, we I tried. I started with uh, the Git Kraken. With a UI and all, but when you learn to use the, you learn the commands and git bash, it's really, really cool. You're, you're able to achieve some. You feel like a hacker with a command prompt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah and we also like, you know, it's, it's like a satisfaction when your git is clean. Like, we also try to follow the commit conventions and like, and we don't use git merge we use git rebase so that all our commits are just uh, like put on top of our older commits and we also have a a good uh, brand structure you know we have let's say you have a hotfix you have a a fix you have to make you say you know you create a hotfix branch that comes from master if you have to you, you're developing a feature uh, you're not fixing something, but you're developing a module. You create a branch from mo- from develop, and you, like you create, you you name it, and everything what we go live, we just uh, rebase it on a release branch from develop. Let's say release one one point one point zero. That release, which is already rebased on develop, will be rebased to master once the website go live. So when you are able to actually like some clean glitch structure and you're looking at your git UI you're, you're seeing as a straight line it's, it's satisfactory yeah <laughs> that, that's nice uh, I, I've been using git also but uh, I'm mostly being a 
این فولی دات نت دیولپر DFS team file explorer or something we've been using that for some time it was on the UI side mostly so so it was mm-hmm. good but uh, it's again a paid version it's not free so I was able, able to use that within the organization when when I was at Serian but when I was on my own I also used git because it's open source and again with yeah. uh, with a terminal or command prompt it's It's really nice to use as a programmer. You can see exactly what is happening because it tells you exactly in the terminal what processes are being made, how how you are sharing your file, how you are merging your branches. If you're if when you're starting like you're a beginner and Git using Git Kraken is really really easy. Everything is is already like uh, defined on this interface. You just have to like, if you know how to read and some notions, you you'll definitely be able to use it. But there's still some stuff like let's say rebase or or cherry pick. If you had to cherry pick a comic, like you you definitely do it on Git Bash because Git Kraken has some uh, I don't know how to say that, but it's kind of strange sometimes. <laughs> Because you just have you know the buttons on git crackers are not not for I'm saying specific commands like you should put for when you're using git you should at an advanced level you should definitely use git bash. Okay, yeah, I, I agree. 